Well, hey there, we're gonna talk about everything Google Memo related. We're going to talk about the fact that there are a bunch of people who think that Colin Kaepernick must, must, must be hired back into the NFL, plus the greatest ad you will ever see for gay rights from the Royal Dutch Airlines. A lot of stuff going on. I'm Ben Shapiro, this is The Ben Shapiro Show. Oh, we have many things to get to today, and I will be discussing all of the things that have to do with this Google memo that we went through in depth yesterday here on the program. I will be spitting hot fire like one of Danny's dragons on Game of Thrones, incinerating entire lines of enemy troops. But before we do any of that, first I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Bull and Branch. So as you know, because I've said it a thousand times at this point, I suck at sleeping. I'm really bad at it. That means that when I get into my bed at night, it must be comfortable. It must be wonderful. It must be the greatest bed that ever was. And that means the sheets have to be really good. So people tend to think about all the other aspects of sleeping, but you never think about your sheets. You just go over to the local department store and you pick up the one that has the highest thread count because you don't know what that means. And then you put it on your bed and it turns out you're sleeping on a plastic tarp. Well, that's why you need to go over to bullandbranch.com. There's Sheets are so good that they are all I will buy now for me, for my children. They're incredibly, incredibly comfortable. They are, they breathe. Uh, they, they do not feel heavy on you. Uh, they're just, they're, they're terrific sheets. Bullandbranch.com. There's a reason that three ex-presidents and Bill Clinton's lovers apparently use Bull and Branch sheets. You can check them out over at Bullandbranch.com. Bullandbranch.com. And right now, they sell for about half the price of normal expensive retail sheets with the markup. There's no markup with Bull and Branch. You will love them, and you can try them free for, well, you can try them for 30 days and see for yourself. And if you don't like them, then you can return them for a full refund. So essentially, you get to try them for free. Go to bullandbranch.com today, and you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping when you use that promo code, Ben. You buy the sheets, you bring them home, try them for 30 days, see if you like them. I promise you're going to love them. There's no way you're going to want to return them. You're going to want to buy extra sets. It's $50 off, plus free shipping right now at bullandbranch.com, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code Ben. Again, use that promo code Ben, get that $50 off your first set of sheets right now. And again, use promo code Ben also so that they know that we sent you and they continue to advertise with the number one podcast in news and media. Oh, yeah. Bullandbranch.com, promo code Ben. By the way, we still are number two overall uh, on iTunes right now, so please go subscribe if you have not and leave us a review. We appreciate it. That's what helps send our ratings skyrocketing. Uh, we are now number two overall behind Oprah. Come on, guys. We can't lose to Oprah. I mean, I know she's going to give you a car and you a car and you a car. We're not going to give you a car, but we will give you the satisfaction of having defeated Oprah if we eventually <laughs> take over the number one slot. So go ahead and check that out. Okay, so on to the, the situation over at Google. So last night, Google decided that they had to fire their employee, the, the evil, evil employee who suggested in a memo that Google was leftist and closed-minded, which is weird since if you don't want to prove that you're leftist and closed-minded, perhaps you shouldn't fire the guy who says you're leftist and closed-minded. Uh, that's kind of a bad move. But they fired him. The Google Revolutionary Brigade has offed that employee. His name is James Damore. Uh, and uh, this Google CEO, Sundar Pichai, stated that the 10-page the, the memo had, quote, violated the line by advancing harmful gender stereotypes in our workplace. To suggest a group of our colleagues have traits that make them less biologically suited to that work is offensive and not okay. I love when the left uses the phrase not okay because what they really mean by that is we should take you out at sunrise to the stake and light you on fire. Not okay is, is it's their, it's their understated way of saying you're a Nazi and we should beat the crap out of you. But here is the problem, just as with the rest of the media. Nobody read the memo. Nobody read the memo. Nothing in the memo says that women as a group are less biologically suited to being in tech. There's nothing in the memo that says that. Okay, so the, the media 
obviously didn't read the memo, and so now they are simply attempting to make up what they wish the memo said, because it's easier to make a case that the guy should be fired if you make up what he said. So here are some of the things that it didn't say. So for, let me start with this. Here's what the memo actually said. The, the, here's what the memo said. It made three main contentions. First, it said that Google had a leftist bias, which prevented them from hearing other viewpoints. Obviously true, because you just fired the guy who said you had a leftist bias. Second, it said that part, not all, but part of the discrepancy in employment between men and women at Google was attributable not to sexism, but to large-scale group differences between men and women. Again, this makes perfect sense and is obviously true in the same way that it is true that the wage gap is largely explained in the United States by different choice of jobs, different amount of time that women want to spend in the workplace. That's not to say that an individual woman can't outperform a man. It's not to say that an individual woman can't perform the, the same job a man can do depending on the job. It is to say that group differences do make a difference when you're looking at aggregate, when you're looking at the aggregate. And finally, the memo said, Google should actually try to make employment easier for women in general through a series of non-illegal means. In other words, not through hiring quotas and diversity quotas, but through making it more attractive for women to be at Google. Does any of that sound radical to you? If so, you're a moron. Uh, and I mean you personally, I don't mean on average. I mean, if you actually think that's a horrible thing that's in this memo, then you are a stupid person. But the media are just lying about what this memo actually said. So first of all, they're lying about people like me who, I say that the memo is fine and that Google is ridiculous for having fired the guy. So Newsweek ran a piece today saying, the alt-right kicks back against Google. The alt-right, do they even know who I am? I was the number one target of the alt-right according to the Anti-Defamation League last year. Okay, Newsweek said I was alt-right. Uh, it, what, was it Medium? There, there's another, there, there's several other publications that suggested that I was alt-right. Okay, I understand the left's desperate attempt to paint everyone on the right as alt-right, but that's just nonsense. But in terms of the memo itself, the memo itself uh, does not say all the things that you're hearing in the media. So today on CNN, CNN ran a segment claiming that James Damore's memo stated that women are quote-unquote biologically unfit for tech. There's nothing in the memo that remotely says that. In fact, Damore says the opposite. The media can't comprehend a basic, basic truth, okay? When I say a group on average is different from another group on average, that does not mean that individuals in that group can be outstanding, okay? And it does not mean that they can't be outstanding. Individuals in the group can be outstanding, right? The fact is, if I say seven-year-olds, as, as an average, are not as smart as 15-year-olds, that doesn't mean that every seven-year-old is not as smart as a 15-year-old. It means, on average, they're dumber than 15-year-olds. There may be a seven-year-old who's a genius and is as smart as some 15-year-olds. That doesn't mean that seven-year-olds and 15-year-olds have the same average level of intelligence. Okay, but the media, because they're morons, collectively, right? I'm saying, on average, the media are morons. Not individually, every one of them is a moron, but collectively, they're morons. Okay, when they say that, when they say that the guy is arguing that women are unfit for tech, what he's actually saying is women, on average, are different from men, not that this particular woman is different from this particular man. Okay, here's what Damore wrote. He said, I'm not saying, not saying. I, lo I love how this works. He says, here's what I'm not saying. The media says, you're saying it. And Google says, you're fired. He says, I'm not saying that all men differ from all women in the following ways or that these differences are just. I'm simply stating that the distribution of preferences and abilities of men and women differ in part due to biological causes and that these differences may explain why we don't see equal representation of women in tech and leadership. Many of these differences are small and there's significant overlap between men and women. So you can't say anything about an individual given these population level distributions. Right. Okay, so, but... According to the left, this means that what he's saying is that every woman is worse than every man in tech. Okay, that's clearly not what he is saying. The reason that it is important to look at averages is because when you're looking at statistical averages with regard to wages, 
When you're aggregating data, you have to look at all of the relevant confounding factors. Okay, you'd be a bad social scientist if you failed to do this. He reiterates this point later in the memo. He says, I'm not saying that we should restrict people to certain gender roles. I'm advocating for quite the opposite. Treat people as individuals, not as just another member of their group. So what he's saying is, Google, you say that we need to hire more women. And what I'm saying to you is, why don't we just hire more qualified people? Right? Why don't we just base it on their individual qualifications? Why does it have to be we need to hire more women? You cannot simultaneously, if you're Google, hold these two thoughts at the same time. It is deeply important that we hire lots of women because women make the workplace more diverse. And women are identical to men in all relevant respects. Okay, you can't hold those two things simultaneously. It doesn't work. Okay, that's what Demore is saying. And just to prove this, he even includes this particular chart in the memo itself. Okay, so here, this is the chart. Okay, it says... Populations have significant overlap, and then it shows a trait, and it shows two bell curves, right? A purple bell curve and a green bell curve. And it shows that the purple bell curve and the green bell curve, they share some space, but the, the, the purple bell curve is shifted a little bit to the left on whatever this x-axis is. Okay, and then he says, reducing people to their group identity and assuming the average is representative ignores this overlap. This is bad, and I don't endorse that. He's explicitly saying what they're saying that he's not saying, right? He's explicitly saying you can't judge individuals by group differences, but group differences do make a difference when you're analyzing the data, which, of course, is true. Right? This chart is basically showing what I told you yesterday, for, for those who missed it. What I said yesterday is that what this chart shows is that women, on average, probably score very similarly to men with regard to tech, but when it comes to the outlayers, when it comes to you know, the, 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 the ends of the spectrum, there's a thicker end for men, meaning that there are more men who are in the upper echelon than women who are in the upper echelon, even if the averages are very similar. Okay, so that's the first thing the media is telling you about this memo that is not true, that he is saying that all women are unqualified for tech. Absolute crap. Doesn't say that anywhere in the memo. And all that's happening here is that the media, are they, they've come up with a preconceived notion, which is that this guy is a sexist, and now they're going to work to turn him into a sexist. Okay, second thing they say that this guy said, Demore said in the Google memo that he didn't say. Diversity is bad. Okay, Damore says, this is literally the first words of the memo, I value diversity and inclusion. In fact, he offers an entire section of his memo devoted to, quote, non-discriminatory ways to reduce the gender gap. He suggests that Google make software engineering more people-oriented with pair programming and more collaboration because women enjoy emotional connection more than men, allow those exhibiting cooperative behavior to thrive, make tech and leadership less stressful, and allowing and truly endorsing as part of our culture part-time work. Right? All of this would definitely make Google a more attractive place for women to work. Okay? One of the things about, about women in the workplace is that women tend to want to work part-time more than men because when they have kids, they want to spend more time at home with the kids. Okay? This is true of my wife. It's true of women on average. Okay? Demore says he believes that arbitrary social engineering of tech just to make it appealing to equal portions of both men and women would be foolish. But if there's a goal of helping the company succeed and having more women would help us do that, then we should definitely try and create a culture where this thrives. Does that sound like someone who wants fewer women in the workplace? Or does it sound like someone who just wants to get rid of quotas based on sex? This guy just wants to get rid of quotas based on sex, but he suggests ways that you can make the, the workplace more attractive to women. Okay, the other thing the media says that this guy says that he doesn't say, okay, and they're lying about it. They say that Demore said that sexism doesn't exist. This is a direct quote from the memo. Quote, I am not denying that sexism exists. Quote, I hope it's clear that I'm not saying that diversity is bad, that Google or society is 100% fair, that we shouldn't try to correct for existing biases, or that minorities have the same experience of those in the majority. My larger point is that we have an intolerance for ideas and evidence that don't fit a certain ideology. Okay, the final lie that the media have been telling about this memo, and it's being told by people on the left also, is that the memo promotes violence. The memo is in some way making people feel uncomfortable. 
It's, first of all, as I mentioned yesterday, when we talked about the response of the diversity and inclusion officer at Google, when she says, some truths are uncomfortable, it's funny. This guy's truths make people uncomfortable, but that's bad. We have to fire him. But if you make him uncomfortable, that's fine, and he just has to go along with, with the program. Here's what he actually writes. He says, quote, the same compassion for those seen as weak creates political correctness, which constrains discourse and is complacent to the extremely sensitive PC authoritarians that use violence and shaming to advance their cause. While Google hasn't harbored the violent leftist protests that we're seeing in universities, the frequent shaming in TGIF and in our culture has created the same silent, psychologically unsafe environment. So he's making the case against violence. He's saying if you keep attributing motives to people without any sort of, of rationale, then they're going to, you're going to want to get violent with them more often. He's basically saying what's happening in college campuses could come to Google. And it has come to Google. Now, there are a bunch of funny things about this particular story that are truly incredible. First of all, he is saying that he probably will file some sort of lawsuit against Google on the basis that they terminated him wrongly. Now, it's an at-will state. California is an at-will state. I believe in at-will employment. I don't think employers should have to hire him. He not only has a right to be employed by Google. But what he is saying is that he was actually whistleblowing on illegal activity happening inside Google, discriminatory activity happening inside Google, and they can't fire him for whistleblowing, which is a smart legal angle. Okay, so this is an amazing follow-up story, this amazing follow-on story. Okay, you ready for this? I love this so much. So the entire claim by Google was, how dare you say that women are unsuited for tech? He never said that. How dare you say that women on average are more emotional? That's terrible. You can't say that women on average are more emotional. Direct quote from NPR today, quote, a senior software engineer reportedly has been fired by Google after a memo he wrote criticizing diversity initiatives was leaked and sparked protests on social media. Another software engineer who used to work for Google, Kelly Ellis, says some women who still work at the company stayed home on Monday because the memo made them, quote, uncomfortable going back to work. So your entire case is that women are no different from men in their emotional state, that women are no different from men on average. And yet when a memo comes out about the differences between women and men, women stay home for emotional reasons. This entire story was created to make conservatives look good. I mean, it's, it's truly incredible. Like, if you want to prove him right on every score, that women are different from men on average, that, that Google has a leftist bias and they kill everyone who gets in their way, all you have to do is, is this, this story makes it clear that all of this is true. It's just amazing stuff. Okay, before I go any further, and I want to talk about how this sort of mentality is now infusing all of society and dividing us from one another, I first want to say thank you to our sponsors over at the USCCA. So after two years, just the other day, an army vet was finally acquitted of homicide charges after a jury found his use of deadly force to be justified under Colorado's Castle Doctrine. The Castle Doctrine is the law that says if someone invades your house, then you can defend your property and your, and your life. Now, it, let me tell you the story, because once you hear the story, you'll be surprised this ever went to trial. Sergeant Michael Galvin is a 12-year army vet, and he shot an intruder in 2015 after the intruder lunged at him. So why did it go to trial? Because... Left-wingers say that Sergeant Galvin didn't have the right to defend himself because the intruder was in his garage, not his home. So the Castle Doctrine didn't apply. So he's just in his garage. Okay, can you believe that? Now, we already know that we cannot rely on the screwed-up legal system to ever get it right. In this case, it cost Sergeant Galvin a lot of time and money to prove his innocence just for following the law. That's why you need the USCCA. The USCCA believes everyone has the right to protect themselves no matter where they are, which is why they want to give you a chance to win a brand new gun when you activate your USCCA membership before midnight tonight. Visit DefendMyFamilyNow.com, DefendMyFamilyNow.com to enter. That's DefendMyFamilyNow.com. They help you in case you have to shoot somebody or shoot at somebody. They help you through the legal process. They ensure that you're not going to lose your livelihood and lose your, lose your 
life in court. Um, that's what DefendMyFamilyNow.com is for. Plus, you have that chance to win a brand new gun when you activate that USCCA membership. Again, DefendMyFamilyNow.com. You owe it to yourself and your family to go over to USCCA and, and check it out. DefendMyFamilyNow.com. Okay, so this is not the only story about corporate attempts to to crack down on the right. Unfortunately, uh, this is becoming more and more common. We saw just a couple of days ago, we talked about the story with Lena Dunham trying to out a couple of American Airlines employees who were supposedly talking about how the, the push for transgender children uh, is really despicable. Uh, the, the, the push to, to push children into transgenderism is gross and they wouldn't, and they wouldn't involve themselves in it. Um, and Lena Dunham tweeted it out and American Airlines tried to crack down on the employees and they found out that Lena Dunham is a pathological liar because that's what she is. Uh, and it's just another demonstration that for the left, free speech only applies to them. It doesn't apply to anyone else. Again, Google has the right to fire anyone. American Airlines has the right to fire anyone it wants. But if we can't live in a society where we acknowledge that differences of view generally do not mean that you should be fired, then, you know, this, then it's going to be very hard to live in the society. Now, I will say there's an exception, okay? If somebody who's left-wing comes to work at Daily Wire and then they start promulgating left-wing views, I think that that's perfectly within bounds for me to say, you don't represent our company, you got to go. But Google is not about right-left Google's entire company is based around the idea of information being shared among lots of people. Well, just because they don't like the information that's being shared, that doesn't mean that you can just dump people, especially because we're not even talking about, in this case, a guy actually writing a memo saying women shouldn't be working at Google, right? I mean, there you could at least say, hey, this creates a hostile work environment. There's nothing in the memo that creates a hostile work environment. They just went over their skis and suggested that, that that's what was happening so that they could fire the guy. But there is this tendency now to infuse every aspect of American life with politics. So another aspect of this, there's this new push uh, for Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. So as we talked about, Colin Kaepernick was a very crappy quarterback the last couple of years. He was the worst-rated quarterback in the NFL last year. Uh, he was demoted so that he was playing behind some other garbage quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, and finally he was let go. And the popular media online has been that, that Colin Kaepernick was let go because he knelt for the national anthem, not because he's a crappy garbage quarterback. So now the, the Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, their quarterback, a guy named uh, Ryan Tannenbaum, I believe, uh, he is, uh, he's injured, and they had to pick up another quarterback. So they picked up Jay Cutler. Okay, Jay Cutler, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Jay Cutler is the most, the most disappointing quarterback in Chicago Bears history. He came in with his stellar reputation for having a gun of an arm, which he does, um, but he was not a good decision maker in the pocket, and so he threw lots of interceptions. That said... He was sort of a middling quarterback in terms of QBR, in terms of quarterback rating. He was not like on the very low end of the spectrum. He was not the best quarterback in the league, but he certainly was not Colin Kaepernick quality bad. The Dolphins picked him up, and naturally, the media are now suggesting that the NFL must force some team to take Colin Kaepernick. Here is Shannon Sharp over at Fox Sports 1 making this case. Shannon, is this a good move or a bad move by the Dolphins? It's a bad move. Um, it's, and it's... It's embarrassing, quite frankly, and and I and I, I get the Dolphins. They were in a bind. Uh, Tannehill goes down with the uh, the knee injury. The severity it seems to be as more news trickles out. There's a great chance that he's probably going to be done for the entire season. So I get it. So I'm just trying to figure: Did Jay Cutler call all 32 teams and say if somebody goes down, I'm willing to come out of retirement? Probably not. I wonder if Jay Cutler called the Miami Dolphins and says, I want to play. And then this, this narrative about Cap says, OK, well, he wants too much money. It's amazing how the Miami Dolphins found $10 million for a guy, a retired guy, not a guy mm -hmm. that last threw a pass in January, a retired guy. 
Yeah, no, we don't. We don't. We don't want you. But here's what's the most egregious part of it, Skip. They lumped Colin Kaepernick, a guy that last threw a pass in January of 2017. Okay, so a couple of things. Number one, it's Ryan Tannehill, not Ryan Tannenbaum. He's not a member of the Royal Tannenbaum family. But, uh, but it, what he says, you know, why are they going after Jay Cutler? Okay, Jay Cutler retired May 5th, 2017. He retired five minutes ago. So this idea that he's been retired for five years and they dragged him out of retirement. If they'd gone and hired Brett Favre, maybe there's a case there. But this idea that it must be discrimination against Kaepernick that's preventing him from getting a job. Maybe what's preventing him from getting a job is two things. He creates a, a, a backlash among the fan base. And two, he's a really crappy quarterback. But Sharp is not the only person who's saying that politics ought to infuse the, the gridiron. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is saying the same thing, saying the NFL should actually cram down on teams. They should find some team to cram down Kaepernick on. That there's going to be an uproar, an uprising to some degree, and I think that the NFL is going to feel compelled to make sure that this man has a job. Yes, you have the naysayers and the detractors, and you certainly understand that there are no African-American owners in the, in the sport of the National Football League, that a vast majority of them are, wh- are white, as opposed to Shad Khan, who's uh, in Jacksonville, and he's Pakistan. Is like, I think I remember him being Pakistan, uh, Pakistani, rather. So when you take that into consideration, uh, it looks daunting, but nevertheless, I do believe there's a whole bunch of people out there who are in support of Colin Kaepernick. As this continues uh, to transpire where scrubs are being picked before him, you're going to see an uproar and potentially an uprising. That's not something that the NFL is going to want. That's not going to be good for business. And I think ultimately somebody's going to capitulate. Okay, so again, it's bad for business for the NFL to ban him. They did the same thing, I remember, with Michael Sam, who was a seventh-round draft pick by the NFL. Apparently, the heads of the NFL called up all of the various NFL teams, and they said, you need to pick Michael Sam. We need to get him on the, on the field. We need to have him signed by a team because he was openly gay and came out right before the draft and was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And so it was impossible that the NFL wouldn't engage in this. Again, it's hilarious to watch the left spin itself in circles over dictating to private businesses what they can and must do. Okay, so according to the left, it is a must to force a religious baker to cater a gay wedding. Must happen, okay? The government must force that. Also, the same people will say that Google must fire somebody who disagrees with them. So you understand? Religious people must cater to people with whom they disagree, but Google must fire people with whom they disagree. If this all seems a little weird, if this all seems like it's just outcome-driven, that's because it is from the left. All it is is about promulgating leftist values. It's not really about free speech or about the, the ability to express yourself in any way. Again, do I think that Colin Kaepernick should be hired regardless of his stance on the national anthem? I actually sort of do. Um, but I will say that, there is a, that, that his business is actually two things, okay? Unlike Google, where the guy who works at Google, his job is to code. That's his entire job. And there's no backlash, you know, that really matters outside the workplace with regard to his personal views on, on females. You know, Colin Kaepernick has two jobs. One is to throw a pass, well, which he can't do. And the second is to actually draw a crowd, which he has succeeded in alienating. Okay, so before I go any further, I want to get to Trump material next and what's going on with the Trump administration. I think there's a lesson that Donald Trump should be learning from this week that's a really good lesson. Um, before we get to any of that, first, I want to say thank you to our brand new sponsors over at Dollar Shave Club. Dollar Shave Club is the best choice. It's the smarter choice. You get a great shave at a great pl- price, conveniently delivered right to your door. You're never going to have to worry about going out to the store again and buying razors at a, at a really overpriced at a really overpriced sticker. Uh, you know, it's an awesome life hack. It is a no-brainer. You, instead of buying a cheap disposable razor or spending a fortune on really expensive razors, instead, 
You use your DSC Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. And the blade just glides gently, and it gives you a really smooth shave. So Orthodox Jews, we can't shave above the jawline with the straight edge, but I use it underneath my chin every single day, and it is just glorious. It is the best razor that I've ever used, uh, and you can get it when you go to Dollar Shave Club. Also, they send you these new razors every month, so that means that you are going to never be shaving with a dull blade, which is what, how many times have you had the dull blade, you forgot to go to the, to the store and pick up the razors, and now you're stuck taking basically a butter knife and shaving yourself with it. So there's no need for that with Dollar Shave Club. Right now, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver Shave Butter for just $5 with free shipping. After that, Razor is just a few bucks a month. That is a $15 value for only $5. In your first month box, you get an awesome weighty handle, the full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of their Shave Butter. After that first month, replacement cartridges ship automatically at their regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments. You can cancel anytime you want. By the way, they also have other great products. They have shampoo, they have body wash, uh, all of which smells terrific and really does the job. Join the club today right now at dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. That is dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Again, use that slash Ben so that they know that we sent you. Also, you can get that special deal where you're getting the, the razor and the Dr. Carver Shave Butter for five bucks with free shipping. And after that, just a few bucks a month for the razor refills. Again, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben, dollarshaveclub.com slash Ben. Okay, so uh, I want to move on uh, to talk a little bit about, first of all, final note on all of this attempt by the left to infuse all of our businesses with politics. The more they do this, the more society is going to become polarized. Right now, we, like Even last year, we all watched the NFL together. It's something we could talk about at the water cooler. It is important that in America we have things that are water cooler talk. It is very important that we in the United States have stuff that we can talk about with each other even if we disagree about politics. And if we don't do that, it actually destroys the public discourse. That's what happened with the NFL, with Colin Kaepernick. People couldn't talk with each other about the NFL without it devolving into a conversation about police brutality and race for no apparent reason. Right? And it was very polarized along racial lines. Now you're seeing the same with Google. You're going to see conservatives who say, okay, I'm no longer going to use Google Chrome. Instead, I'm going to be downloading Safari and I'm going to use, or, or some other browser, and I'm going to use that. Right? We're going to be using different sources of information because Google is felt to have a bias, which they clearly do. There's going to be companies that are started to fight that bias. Right? This already exists on the right with a bunch of other web companies. I mean, this is why, this is why the entire conservative web media exists. This is why Daily Wire exists. If the left didn't suck so much at their media job, then we here at the Daily Wire wouldn't exist. Right? We have to exist to counterbalance the force of the left-wing media. That's a good thing. It would be a better thing if everybody were just honest in their reporting instead of lying about everything. Okay, so in just a second, I want to get to everything Trump-related and a big lesson for President Trump that is coming from this week that I think is a really good lesson for President Trump if he's willing to take it. But... But for that, you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com. So first of all, if you listen up in, uh, in just a few minutes, I guess about half an hour now, 45 minutes, uh, you should stick around for Andrew Clavin's show. If you subscribe to dailywire.com at $9.99 a month, you can watch that entire thing live. You can watch our show live. It's not just an audio show. It is a video show, uh, and you can watch it at dailywire.com. Andrew Clavin's show starts live at 10.15 Pacific time. Michael Knowles' show starts live at, I think, 12.30 today Pacific time. So we have a lot of content for you over at Daily Wire. You can be part of the mailbag. You can't be part of the mailbag and get your life's questions answered without being part of the Daily Wire team. So $9.99 a month gets you that, plus the website for free. Make sure, by the way, you check out both Knowles' podcast and Clavin's podcast regardless, uh, even if you don't get the subscription. Or for $99, you can get this, this greatest of tumblers, right? You get the annual subscription, all of the things I just mentioned, plus the leftist tiers, hot or cold, Daily Wire tumbler, glory be. I mean, it is just fantastic. In fact, I just got this letter I want to read you about this legendary tumbler because it's hilarious and it just came in literally 32 minutes ago. Quote, 
The stories I have heard about this fine piece of art, forged in Valhalla by the Hammer of Thor, the one tumbler to rule them all, are enough to desire to have one of my own. I will place it over my fireplace, praise it, show my children and grandchildren as a symbol, symbol of an everlasting fight between good and evil, and eventually, when my eyes close for the last time, I will have my ashes poured into this greatest of all containers to be one with it for all eternity. Okay, I just have to thank uh, Michal for that wonderful description of the tumbler. I couldn't have said it better myself. You got that for just $99. That's amazing, right? I mean, for $99, you get everything plus this tumbler in which you can one day put your ashes. So it's pretty incredible. Uh, check that out over at dailywire.com or you want to listen later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud. We are currently, as I say, the number one news and politics podcast in the United States. We are number two overall in the United States on iTunes. Uh, so make sure that you leave us a review and subscribe. If you do it fast, we can overtake Oprah, people. Let's do this thing. Let's make it happen. Go check it out, dailywire.com or check us out later at iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, we are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. Alrighty, so here is, the, I keep saying that there's, there's a lesson for President Trump. Here's the lesson for President Trump that's happened from this week. He's on vacation this week, and guess what? Things are going really well. Like, a lot of the news that's coming out from the Trump administration is really good. You know why? Because Trump isn't tweeting stupid crap, because he's not firing and hiring. He's not grabbing people like Anthony Scaramucci from his American psycho, psycho coke den and bringing him in and using him as his, as his, as his communications guy. We're not getting the, the chaos Every time Trump opens his mouth, Trump is quiet. And guess what? And then you see stories like this appearing in the press because guess what? The media actually has to fill the time. Okay, here's the dirty little secret about media. We need content. Okay, if Trump isn't providing content, we will get content from somewhere else. The content this week for Trump has been quite good. Yesterday, or, or the day before, Monday, there was a 15 to 0 UN resolution that was passed to create new sanctions on North Korea, including China and Russia voting for it. That's a major accomplishment by the Trump administration. Today, the Daily Mail is reporting, and so is the Washington Post, quote, the war against ISIS has taken dramatic strides since Donald Trump became president, with the U.S. and its allies reclaiming swaths of Iraq and Syria. In fact, of all the land reclaimed by the U.S.-led coalition since 2014, nearly one-third has been taken since Trump took office. That's thanks to Trump's decision to delegate decisions and engage in a campaign of annihilation, Brett McGurk, the State Department's senior envoy to the anti-Islamic State Coalition, told the Washington Post. Since its peak in early 2015, ISIS has lost 78% of its occupied territories in Iraq and 58% in Syria. In total, that is 27,000 square miles of territory, 8,000 of which has been taken since February of this year. So what should this teach President Trump? It should teach him a few things. One, when you delegate to good people and leave them alone and don't mess around with it, good things happen. And this has been true at the EPA where we're cutting regulations. This has been true with regard to hiring and firing where, the, where Trump has cut 11,000 jobs. Delegate to the right people and shut up. Okay, he's on vacation right now. He's disappeared. The media doesn't have anything to, to feed off of. This is why this great lie that Trump's tweets make his presidency stronger. No, Trump's tweets make his presidency eminently weaker. If you were just to go quiet and to starve the media of material, then all that would happen is that the media would be forced to actually cover the news. They'd actually be forced to cover the news. And they'd look more and more desperate, right? Because the left is desperate at this point. Listen to how desperate they sound, okay? MSNBC uh, had on a guest named Dean Obadiah. He's actually usually at CNN. Uh, and he's uh, a Muslim comic, uh, which is, uh, in his case, oxymoronic. He is, he is not a funny man. Um, but he says that, that Trump, it's just like a swastika. It's a Trump swastika. The, the word Trump is like a swastika. 
I spoke to the executive director of this mosque earlier today, and he was saying that the, uh, the, the relations that they enjoy with the community are generally strong. Sure. Uh, you know, Muslims have been in America for a long time. There's a, in, 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 uh, in, in some of these areas, there's slightly newer communities. Mm -hmm. Some of them are first generation. And, and he feels that the community's not hostile toward them. And that's a great thing. And you saw that. I, I saw immediately that within hours of the attack, the leaders of different faith communities standing up and saying, we're with you. This mosque, according to local media reports, they did get some emails and hate mail before. Just a week ago, another Muslim cemetery in the Minneapolis suburbs was vandalized with swastikas, graffiti. Since January, we've had five mosques burned down in America by arson. That's according to the police. We've had swastikas written on mosques. We've had the word Trump painted on mosques in New Jersey, Iowa, New York. For some, the word Trump is becoming a modern-day swastika. For some? Why? Why is that becoming a modern-day swastika? First of all, we don't have any evidence who did that. I mean, maybe his suggestion here seems to be that, that there are people who are alt-writers who use Trump as their stand-in, but like, that, that, that's, that's such an exaggeration. Trump is a modern-day swastika. Maxine Waters, the most corrupt person in Congress, she's saying we're going to impeach Trump by December. Okay, the, the, we'll let her go. So I believe it is possible to impeach him. Mm. How long is it going to take? I don't know, but I give it to about December. December, and I that's think soon, okay. I give it to December. Okay, so that's not going to happen, but the left is so crazy that this is what they're promulgating. And you know what makes them sound crazy? When nothing's happening. It makes them sound totally over the moon when nothing is happening. It makes them sound bat poop, okay? When, they, when they're going crazy and Trump is just quiet, it makes them sound like loon bags because they are loon bags. And here's the other thing. All the divisions on the right regarding Trump, they go away when Trump does good things and when the left is crazy, okay? These are the things that unify the right. If you want a unified right, what you want is Trump to do positive things and you want the left to continue acting the way that they're acting at places like Google, shutting down debate, making people on the right, making moderates feel threatened, right? That helps the right, that unifies the right. Then you don't have to do the whole Trump as litmus test. Now, Laura Ingram was hosting for Tucker Carlson last night and listen to her dividing conservatives amongst themselves on the issue of Trump. Do you know what a liberal's idea of Armageddon is? No, it's not a nuclear North Korea, but a successful Trump presidency. Do you know what the never Trump Republicans on Capitol Hill fear the most? No, it's not ISIS and it's not a 5,000 point drop in the Dow but a successful Trump president. Okay, so that last statement is the one that's really dumb, okay? This idea that never Trump Republicans are looking for Trump to fail. That's what they fear is Trump's success. No, what they fear is losing their seats. And they fear losing their seats if Trump continues to do silly things. So again, Mr. President, take a note from this week. You're having a really good week, okay? This week has been great for you thus far. I understand it's only Tuesday, but it's been a great week, okay? That, that's better than it's been in the past couple of weeks, okay? So you, you ended last week on a relatively high note. Now, the first couple of days have gone great. Why? Because you were quiet. Just be quiet, okay? And everyone will unify around the good policies your administration pushes and around the idiocy of the left. You can create another victorious coalition around those two things. You're going to break the coalition if you decide that you have to meddle, create chaos, jabber, be the center of attention. All those things need to stop. If you stop that, every day can be like today. Every day can be me just doing good Trump all day. That's what I would like to do. I would like to do that about any president, okay? Forget whether it's Obama or Trump. I wish they all did things that I want them to do. Right now, the Trump administration is doing things this week that I want them to do. And it is not being degraded by you tweeting about how Attorney General Jeff Sessions is a jerk, right? So, so why don't we just stick with that lesson? That's a, that's a positive lesson. Okay, time for some things I like, things I hate, and then we'll deconstruct the culture a little bit. So 
things I like. We're doing sort of Cold War classics uh, in honor of Venezuela. Now, I guess, in honor of Google, since the, the gulags are back. Uh, but uh, the, the book is Witness. Uh, it's by Whitaker Chambers. This is sort of the, the classic of, of Cold War espionage thrillers. It's, it's, it's not fiction, right? It is a nonfiction book about this, this guy named Whitaker Chambers who testified against Alger Hiss. Alger Hiss was a top State Department official in the, in the FDR and Truman administrations, and it turned out that he was actually a Soviet spy. And Whitaker Chambers knew about it and was slandered by the press and called a liar, uh, and he was his life was threatened by the Communist Party. And it's all about what the Communist Party actually was doing in the United States and how the left essentially lent them cover. The book is Witness. It's a long book. It's about 500 pages, but it is a very quick read. Uh, it is very well written. Whitaker Chambers is a terrific writer. Witness. Uh, you can check that out over at Amazon.com. Okay, other things that I like. So I have to say that I love this so much. The so Royal Dutch Airlines, I, I under, as I said before, I don't see the need for corporations to politicize themselves, but they all see, seem to feel the need to make everything political now, which irritates me because I just want to fly my airline. I don't want to hear about gay propaganda, transgender propaganda. I just want to fly my airline. So this is what Royal Dutch Airlines tweeted out yesterday. Okay, for those who can't see, it is a picture of three separate sets of belt buckles. One is two actual buckles. One is two uh, insertion uh, in, inserts into the buckle. And one is the insert and the buckle, right? And, there are, and all of the belts themselves are painted rainbow colors. And then it says, it doesn't matter who you click with. Happy hashtag Pride Amsterdam and then gay pride flag. There is a problem with this particular tweet that I love very, very much. Okay? If you were to be in air turbulence, two of these three buckles do not work. Okay? If you're sitting there trying to insert the buckle into the buckle, you will die while the plane becomes turbulent at 30,000 feet. If you're trying to insert the insert into the insert, then everything will, will go dark for you as your head smashes into the overhead compartment during turbulence. Only one of these three things works. So uh, thank, you for making the, thank you for making the biological case in favor of heterosexuality, Royal Dutch Airlines, in your inane and stupid attempts to demonstrate to the world just how, just how tolerant and diverse you are. Pretty incredible stuff. Speaking of ridiculous gay propaganda that goes wrong, this gay clothing company is now trying to, no joke, trying to restore the swastika to its original symbolism as an element of peace. Good luck with that, gang. So, we can play this video. Yeah, we can play it. It says, this is a swastika, and it's a picture of a swastika. It's 5,000 years old. It's a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of love, infinity of life. But one day, Nazism. They took the swastika, rotated it by 45 degrees, and turned it into hatred, and turned it into power. They stigmatized the swastika forever. They won. They limited our freedom. Or maybe not. The swastika is coming back, together with peace, together with love, together with respect, together with freedom, introducing the new swastika. And then it is a rainbow swastika rotated 45 degrees, looking just like Hitler's swastika. So they didn't even have the brains to make the swastika back to its original angle, right? They just left it 45 degrees in half of their gear. And then it says, peace with swastika, love with swastika, zen with swastika. <laughs> yes! Ah, I love it so much. 
So I hope that I only hope that one day when the gay swastika flies above companies that have fired all of the religious people that we can understand that peace, love and Zen were all with the swastika. Uh, the happiest person in the world today is John Nolte, who's been who's been talking about the gay swastika for years with regard to uh, companies destroying religious people's lives who don't decide to participate in same sex weddings. I love it. K.A. Designs claims their intention behind using the symbol commonly associated with the Nazi party was to reclaim the symbol to represent the LGBTQ community. Go for it, gang. Just enjoy yourselves. Love it. Love it. Uh, and, of course, everybody is like, wait, what? What, what are you doing now? Like, they, they say, huh? Like, what, so I, I assume that their next campaign will be to reclaim crematoriums because it turns out that crematoriums have been used for thousands of years for actual cremations of, like, people who want to be cremated. So I guess we can just reclaim crematoriums. <sighs> Sometimes a symbol is so poisoned that you might just want to let it go. The same people, I assume, who are in favor of the swastika, I'd like to see them try to reclaim the Confederate flag next, since apparently uh, the, uh, we have decided the Confederate flag is the root of all evil in the United States. So, spectacular job. Everybody who's up with the gay propaganda this week, just well done. Royal Dutch Airlines, KA Designs, you've done yeoman's work. Well done. Okay, time for a couple of things that I hate. Okay, so Stephen Colbert last night spent his time going after Eric Bolling. Eric Bolling has been suspended uh, from his show The Specialist on Fox News after allegations of sexual harassment against guests. And here is Stephen Colbert playing high and mighty with, uh, with Eric Bolling. The Huffington Post is reporting that uh, co-host of The Specialists and guy whose cologne you can smell through the TV, Eric Bolling, <laughs> sent co-workers an unsolicited photo of male genitalia via text message. Oh my God, whatever happened to old-fashioned courtship when a gentleman would telegraph his genitalia? Here is my penis. Stop. Stop sending me your penis. Stop. Seriously, stop, stop. Bowling has been suspended while Fox News investigates, but he denies the charges, sort of. According to his lawyer, Mr. Bowling recalls no such inappropriate communications. He doesn't recall? How do you forget sending someone your bits and pieces? Okay, so obviously Colbert and the rest of the left media, oh my God, look at Eric Bowling, it's so terrible. Okay, so I would just like to remind people, and it is, by the way, if he's, if he's texting his genitals unsolicited to people, that is sexual harassment and it's disgusting, okay? Now, with that said, Stephen Colbert took over for, does anyone remember? David Letterman, yes, David Letterman. Okay, David Letterman told the audience openly on his show that he had sexual relationships with female staffers on his, on his staff, adding that he'd forked over a bogus $2 million check as part of an extortion plot on the matter. Okay, so what happened? He did it for years, and yet no one seemed to mind. Hollywood playing hypocrite when it comes to this kind of stuff? Again, I'm fine with ripping people up and down for sexual harassment. I have no problem with that, but I just find it a little ironic that people in Hollywood are willing to forego ripping their leftist colleagues engaged in sexual harassment. Like, a little consistency would be good. Right? I am not in favor of sexual harassment. If somebody on the right does it, like if Eric Bowling did it, he should not have a job, okay? And if somebody on the left does it, they should not have a job either. But I'm consistent in this. Uh, this is Letterman's audience, and so there's a little bit of irony to this whole shtick. Okay, um, now let's do a little bit of deconstructing the culture. Uh, so deconstructing the culture today, 
Uh, ABC News and the Associated Press are pushing very, very hard this new idea that young, tiny children should be able to determine their own gender. Oh, yes. ABC News has a piece today. It says, in some ways, Rainbow Day Camp is very ordinary. Kids arrive with a packed lunch, make friendship bracelets, play basketball, sing songs, and get silly. Whenever there's a story that starts this way, you know that it's going to go off the deep end very shortly. Right? Whenever this, it started off like any normal day until Bob murdered his wife and fed her to the dog. Right? All these stories... It seemed like a relatively normal place until it turned out to be one of London's graveyards. Like it, it, it always starts that way. So it starts off, they packed lunch, make friendship bracelets, but it is unique from the moment campers arrive each morning. I check in each day. Campers make a name tag with their pronoun of choice. Some opt for she or he, or a combination of she, he, or they, or no pronoun at all. Some change their pronouns daily to see what feels right. The camp in the San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm, Caters to transgender and gender-fluid children ages 4 to 12. Okay, so once you get to 12, I, I think that we can start having conversations about, you know, whether you are experiencing gender dysphoria. At the age of 4, if you're a parent sending your 4-year-old to a camp that is reinforcing gender identity disorder or gender dysphoria, whichever term you choose to use, you are doing something deeply wrong. I have a 3-and-a-half-year-old. It is insane to insane to suggest that a four-year-old is capable of deciding his or her sex. That's utterly crazy. And parents who are doing this are doing something deeply sinful, something deeply nasty to their own child. It is your job to guide your child. This idea that your child is supposed to lead you into something like sexual identity when they have no clue what sex is, have no idea what their genitals are for, don't have hormones, okay? This is it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. The enrollment has tripled to about 60 young campers. This is demonstrative of the fact, by the way, this is true across the board. It's true in Australia. It's true in Great Britain. Every place where the transgender movement has started to push, what they've seen is an enormous number. Uh, the number of kids who are now looking to transition has skyrocketed dramatically. Now, what the left would say is all these people were just waiting to transition, and now society's become more accepting, and you're seeing more of this behavior. Okay, or it is possible that gender confusion can be created by environment or exacerbated by environment. This notion that environment has nothing to do with sexual identity or sexual orientation or sexual behavior is just asinine. It's not true. Okay, there's been no evidence of this whatsoever. According to the left, sexual orientation, sexual behavior, gender, all of those things are hardwired, but sex itself is not hardwired. Sex itself is completely malleable. This is ascientific. It's actually anti-scientific. And to pretend that small children, four-year-olds, should be going to camps where they are encouraged to revel in gender confusion is, is purely disgusting. It's purely disgusting, particularly since, statistically speaking, 80% of small children who suffer from even gender identity disorder, right, actually suffer from it, grow out of it by the time they hit puberty. So just what, what a terrible society we're creating or when we suggest that children ought to be making decisions about their own sex lives, but adults ought to be abdicating on that score. Really, really terrible. Uh, the, the, the article continues talking about a six-year-old Gracie Maxwell was dancing in the sunshine at a, as a Miley Cyrus song blasted from outdoor speakers. The freckled blue-eyed blonde wore her hair on, in a braid on one side. Gracie's a boy, by the way. Once she could talk, I don't remember a time when she didn't say, I'm a girl. It said her mother, Molly Maxwell, who still trips over pronouns but tries to stick to she, then it grew in intensity. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a princess. We would argue with her. She was confused. We were confused. Living in liberal-minded Bay Area made it easier. The Maxwells found a transgender playgroup, sought specialists, and at four-year-old let Gracie grow her hair, dress as a girl, and eventually change her name. What a, what a joyous occasion. I mean, look, look, at, look at this kid here on the right. This little kid. How old is this kid? Do you think? Maybe six? Five? The one on the right with the, with the multicolored hair here? Yeah, it's a decision by the parents to, to allow this kind of, this kind of stuff. 
It's a decision by the parents to revel in this kind of stuff and make themselves feel better as parents of this kind of stuff. Listen, I wouldn't want to be a parent who has a kid who has to deal with gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder. But for me to abdicate the decision to the four-year-old is just, it's, it's non-adult, okay? It's anti-adult and it's anti-civilization. Okay, so and th- this unfortunately is going to continue because the left is fully ensconced in its own navel-gazing with regard to the new civil rights movement it's created for itself. It's not a civil rights movement at all. It's a way of destroying childhood innocence. Okay, so we'll be back here tomorrow to talk about more fallout, I'm sure, from Google and the latest in the news. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Did you know that a baby's heart begins to beat at just three weeks? At five weeks, it can be heard on ultrasound. In some cases, the heartbeat can be the baby's only defense in the womb, which is where preborn steps in. Preborn rescues 200 babies every day from abortion simply by providing moms with free ultrasounds that allow her to hear her child's heartbeat and see their perfectly formed body in the womb. By six weeks, the baby's eyes are forming. By 10 weeks, a baby is able to suck his or her thumb. Preborn needs our help to save these precious souls. For just 28 bucks, you could be the difference between the life or death of a baby. If you become a monthly sponsor, you'll receive stories and ultrasound pictures of the lives you helped to rescue. All gifts are tax deductible. 100% of your gift donation goes toward saving babies. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com slash Ben. That's preborn.com slash Ben. Go check them out right now. Preborn.com slash Ben. It's the best thing you're going to do today or maybe ever. Dial pound 250, say keyword baby. Start saving children today.